Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions a student athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and I am so excited. This is our first episode of season six, and we have an incredible guest. Today, I sit down with Hannah Terry. Hannah is a senior at Johns Hopkins University on the women's lacrosse team. She is incredible. I am so excited for everyone to hear this conversation that we've had. We talk about everything from learning how to ask for help, growing up and dealing with bullying in high school and really kind of finding your own footing and determining who you are and who you want to be finding a love for her sport, working through people-pleasing and combating intrusive thoughts, her recruiting process, which I, I found really valuable for maybe anyone listening who's going through their own recruiting process. Um, you know, I think everyone's recruiting process is so unique, but it tends to impact the value that you place on yourself as a student athlete especially like wanting to play, you know, at the next level. And it is a big decision. So I'm excited for everyone to hear that. And then, you know, this is part one of two parts. Um, I love Hannah's story. And we, we really felt like to do this in the best way possible, we should split it out. Um, so part two will also be be able to be listened to and that's more focused around her injury um with that let's get right into it no further delays um here's my conversation with hannah Hannah, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am beyond excited to have you on and chat all things mental health and your experiences. So to kick us off, can you let the audience know a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Hannah Terry. First off, thank you so much, Kat, and everyone at Morgan's Message for having me today. I am so excited to be on this and be able to share just a little bit about me and my story. But I've also had the pleasure of being able to hear so many other athletes and mentor stories on this podcast. So it's just incredible. A little bit about me. I am a senior, which is kind of funny to say now. I'm going to be a senior defender on the Johns Hopkins women's lacrosse team. I'm a molecular and cellular biology major. I'm looking to go to med school after college, which I'm very excited about. I grew up in a small town on Long Island. I'm very close to my family and I love them so much. And I've been playing so many sports since I was two. I have like a very long list. My parents were incredible with signing me up and allowing me to do whatever I wanted and they found a way. So I've been able to be in a team atmosphere for a while, but I picked up a lacrosse stick and when I was five, ironically, my mom saw my cousins playing and just kind of handed me a stick and I fell in love with the sport and it's gotten me to kind of where I am today. Amazing. Um, yeah. And you grew up, I feel like in such a hotbed of lacrosse as well. Oh yeah. Um, so what was growing up like 
um, on Long Island, playing a sport? Was it always lacrosse? Kind of like give us the lay of the land. So growing up, I definitely have like my sports side and then my academic side for sure. Um, my sports side, like, again, I played soccer, basketball, lacrosse, gymnastics, horseback riding, figure skating, volleyball, track, and I skied. So I got exposed to all those sports when I was younger, which I think, again, really impacted me in a way to not be so focused on one thing and be able to explore my other interests and also find new tools that I could always put in my toolbox. But specifically with lacrosse starting off, I was not necessarily the kid who was told to go practice every day or kind of had a pressure on me to play lacrosse because my parents wanted me to. It was more of, again, they handed me that stick when I was five and I slowly took the reins and found what I loved and why I wanted to do it. And I was actually talking to my one of my club coaches the other day, but they came and found me at a small town game. My club director came up to me and was asked me to be a part of his team. And my mom and I were so confused. We we're like, sure, that sounds great. We didn't even know there were clubs at the time for lacrosse. So then when I started that, um, they had my back from the beginning. And the people a part of my club team definitely were advocates for me in ways that I never knew that could be but also definitely gave me a lot of tough love um, one of my um coaches would like be standing on the other side of the field and I have a very specific memory of this and he was told me to like stand on the other side of a girl while I was defending and since then I've never made that mistake again so just like again looking out for me in all aspects and teaching me a lot of life tools but I definitely also as well took the recruiting process in my hands with the support of my parents, with my support of my coaches, but definitely was the one spearheading that whole um, thing as well. And it was definitely a very different experience, I think, from a lot of other people, but I'm very grateful for it at the same time. That's great. That's like incredible that you had such like supportive people in your corner. Cause I, I think a lot of those people exist and a lot of those people like don't exist. Um, mm -hmm. What were conversations like when it came to mental health, whether it was in your family, friends, community? So that's honestly something I've been reflecting on a lot now that I'm going into my senior year of college. And I've been a part of Now Morgan's Message for a little over a year, which I'm super happy and proud to be a part of um but kind of just trying to see where that interest sparked for me and I think from a very young age I've always been a caregiver I've always wanted to take care of other people almost to a fault sometimes which is so funny my little sister she'll be like Anna, please please I can do it um but again like learning and growing uh, now I obviously know that but at five I'm like oh no um but the mental health aspect, I think I definitely had like open conversations with my parents at a young age, of just how I was feeling and noticing I'm a very observant person. So I was kind of able to pick up on a lot of things in the world and question a lot and being pretty curious, like, why is that person doing that? Why is that person feeling that way? And I think I also um, definitely had a strong I don't even know how to put this but I had a like a, a conscience on my head from a very early age a lot of people would say I'm, I'm an old soul um and kind of I guess it's a good way to put it 
I had, I knew what my beliefs were and I stuck to them from a very early age. And I would get very upset when those beliefs were challenged. Um, so again, I'm going on a rambling tangent, but going back now to the mental health aspect, I think growing up, I started to see kids not being kind to other people. And I kind of questioned that as to what that would make that other person feel like. And I honestly think that's where that started my mental health um, journey. And then I also had a lot of stuff happen to me in high school that definitely affected me and I'm still working through it, but I thankfully have been able to process a lot of that. Um, But that definitely affected why I wanted to become so involved with it in college and why I want to help others. That's awesome. With, with that in mind, like what, I guess, what was the high school experience like? Like, I feel like when you're an athlete or student athlete, um, I found it was really helpful for me. Like I made varsity my freshman year of field hockey and like being a freshman, there were two of us, like we really were welcomed onto a team where I was really lucky. Our upperclassmen were amazing. They welcomed us with open arms. And instead of kind of going into school, being like a scared little freshman with like all these like kids who are so much older than me, you know, I like felt like I had my people like walking through the locker bays. Um, what was your experience like kind of like transitioning to high school when it came to sport and friends and mental health yeah definitely we can get into that I think the first part I'm just so it doesn't get so confusing um I'm going to talk about more of the social aspect and then I can definitely get into the recruiting and the whole sports side of things but um the town I'm from is very small and there's not a lot of wiggle room to move around. It's kind of, you grow up with the people that you've been with in kindergarten and you graduate with them in senior year of high school. So I moved there in second grade and again, like was able, I got a great education. Um, Definitely started to gravitate. I loved school. Um, I loved learning tests, not so much, definitely. I learned had to learn how to take tests. And again, I'm thankful for that experience because through high school, I was able to learn, okay, I'm struggling with tests. How can I figure that out? Um, and definitely reached out to my teachers. So that was a big thing. So I learned how to make those relationships with my um, teachers and upperclassmen. And I definitely felt that that helped a lot because I was always ten- kind of a floater. I loved to be a part of all different conversations, be friends with anyone who honestly wasn't being mean to someone that's was my biggest thing if um as long as you treated someone with kindness and had respect for yourself I always was up for a conversation a meal whatever they needed I was there for and I I loved to just again hear what they had to offer and hear about their life experiences um but I definitely did deal with the mean girls in high school so starting in I would say my um high school seven through 12 so we definitely got um to experience, I think, the whole high school um, atmosphere a lot earlier than a lot of other kids. Um, And that mean girl aspect, I think, definitely started to affect me uh, in seventh grade era, just because I started to think, and I think everyone does in middle school, too. You're like, I don't know who I am. Why am I, my body's changing. I'm starting to not like school anymore I'm starting to do this and that and it's just a definitely a time where people are involving but I think I started to see a lot of things that I hadn't seen before 
um, specifically that everything had started to become a competition and I'm a very competitive person. I mean, I love sports. I love to do well in everything I'm doing, but not at the cost, I think, of other people, um, mental health to kind of just put it point blank. And I actually had been, this is now jumping forward a little bit, but I had a conversation with our sports psychologist at school, which was really eye-opening. And he said to me that you realize that people don't always think about others the way that you do. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was saying how a lot of people will think about kind of themselves and how, um, what they're doing in that moment. And instead you're thinking about, okay, I just said this, but how is that going to make that person feel? And I wonder if they're okay. And like, if they have something else going on at home, like maybe just like teeter off the bat. And so that's just kind of how my brain works. So now like going back to the high school aspect, that's how I thought. And I was around a lot of other people who just were very focused on themselves and they were very worried about personal gain and not caring on the impacts. And again, this isn't like everyone. This is just the, some of the people that I was around who it did affect me. Um, I also was like exposed to a lot of clicky behavior. And again, I'm a very floaty person. I don't like to be combined to a space and that's something I'm learning to own as well. I'm going to choose to be independent. That's my choice, but I also need to know that that comes with a cost at times. Um, So I also, there was a point in high school that there's definitely a very defining moment and I don't want to tiptoe around it, but I also don't want to highlight it um, too much just because I've definitely moved on and I took all the tools I needed from that and I'm kind of ready to impact the rest of my life. But just again, if anyone's out there and is experiencing this right now, I definitely started to see a lot of true colors in the people that I was around. And I felt that I was compromising who I was as a human being just because I didn't want to hear about I was talked about or that I was not in good graces with other people, even though I was doing things I didn't agree with or saying things I didn't agree with or not saying things, I think, or not standing up for that person. Um, And I actually I did. I wrote this my college essay about this. I wrote it about my hair, very, very curly hair. Um, And I kind of talked about how. I was straightening my hair and I literally did do this. Um, I straightened my hair and killed it to fit in and be like everyone else. And I had this event that did happen my junior going into my junior year of high school. And I had to take a step back and I looked really inward. And at first I was blaming myself and I'm like, maybe I am the problem. Maybe like I really am just a terrible person out to get people. And then working through that again and having conversations and not putting all the blame on myself, but also looking at, well, I am making a choice right now to step back from these people. Like I am doing this and that is something I need to be okay with. Um, I was able to honestly, it really did change my life because I was able to get away from the toxicity of the environment I was in and not be controlled by people who kind of wanted to be the head of everything and see different aspects of my life. And yes, it was very hard. I felt very outclassed, but again, I did make that choice and I have to honor that. Um, and then going back to the college essay, I cut, when I cut my hair off, I let the, my curly hair grow back in. And now, like, stepping into college and being where I am now, my hair is fully curly again. And, yes, it's still growing, and I'm growing as a person, too. And I'm always the type of person, too, that will acknowledge if I make mistakes and acknowledge if I'm still learning. And, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's so on me. I, I'd take that back. Um, but, again, the mean girls and all of that, that – was a really hard point in my life 
and in the moment it it sucked like it was awful but now looking back on it it made me who I am today and I feel like a lot of other people say that too like it made me who I am today which doesn't invalidate what happened but I'm kind of grateful for it I don't even know how to kind of put it but it taught me so much and I think I'm much more of a strong person now so I I'd made the a bad thing into a positive and I think that's honestly like a really big thing in my life i my middle name is overcoming adversity. I joke around with my friends a lot um, and turning a bad thing into a positive. And it's taken a lot of time and a lot of growth, but that's kind of where I'm at now. Were there any tools introduced to you like while you were going through this, like therapy or journaling? Was there anything you were using to like sort through your emotions around the situation? Yes. So there was. So starting in, I'm going to give myself some grades so I don't go all over the place. Um, Starting in 10th grade, before my, the um, event that kind of happened that made me take a step back, I actually had my first panic attack ever. And this is something um, I honestly haven't shared with a ton of people, but I actually had my first panic attack in school during 10th grade. Um, in my chemistry class because my teacher um, had just said something to me and it triggered me for some reason. I just felt really insecure and felt that I wasn't smart and that I wasn't being the person I was. And I felt my whole body start shaking and I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I wasn't in my body. I couldn't stop shaking. My teeth were chattering and I was about to cry and I don't really cry as a person I mean there's nothing wrong with crying but just me in general I don't cry much um I do though it's human uh but I I looked at the teacher and I was like I need to go to the nurse right now so I walked out of the the classroom and walked to the nurse's office and she sat with me and she's like you're having a panic attack right now and it's something definitely that you don't until you've experienced it it's something that's very hard to put into words because I also want to honor that it's different for every human being who's having it. Um, So it might look different. But the nurse after that, once I started to calm down a little bit, I had to go talk to the school psychologist and I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, because I was, again, the type of person at that age who wanted to be able to handle everything on their own, be independent. And I don't think mental health at that point was the conversation that it is now. Um, and it's honestly more respected. I think it took guts back then, even though I'm not much older than I was in 10th grade, to kind of say, hey, I'm struggling right now. And I'm so grateful, again, for stuff like Morgan's message that we're able to normalize these conversations. But I went to that school with a psychologist, mortified, did not want to be there. And she was like, I think you need to speak with the counselor at school. So I didn't tell anyone. The only person who know, and honestly, shout out her. She's definitely listening to this, is my best friend from high school who stuck it through me thick and thin. Like, she was that one girl. Like, we did everything together. Even after, like, the whole thing that happened, like, she was the only one who stuck by me. And we, I'm so thankful for her, but she was the only person who knew this. So I would randomly leave lunch once a week and go to talk to the school counselor. And I was, again, so embarrassed. But then through that experience, I started to learn that there are actually a couple other people in my high school who are also going. And when they found out that I was going, they felt comfortable that they could talk about it. And that was something that I, again, grateful for. And it started to open my doors of, oh, if I, 
am doing this and other people are, and maybe it is okay. And the counselor, again, it was through school. So it was um, kind of a one size fits all model, but she, again, like helped me identify what was going on. It was kind of just nice to talk to someone that wasn't in my family. Cause yes, we're so close, but I mean, at times it's really nice for like someone outside of the, um, the social circle, your family, even just like in your life to like, just kind of hear what's going on. You get a fresh perspective. So that was really great. And then through that, I definitely was a very anxious kid. I always had put like an enormous amount of pressure on myself was so, um, keen to like being the best at everything I did, which is good in some aspects and really detrimental in other aspects. Um, and I get, and then really, honestly, the next big part was during COVID. So during COVID was my senior year of high school and I hadn't had a panic attack in a very long time, but I definitely started to notice being in that isolation and me not having a proper sleep schedule. I, and also I realized as a human now, and even through my past year of college, I need to be around people. And if I'm not getting that social interaction, it's not great for me personally. So I started again having panic attacks during COVID and I didn't know if it was from the trauma I'd gone through socially. I didn't know if it was just because we're in a global pandemic and I'm sure everyone so loves the saying, but we're in unprecedented times, which I was getting to the point where I'm like, I'm done with being in unprecedented times. I'm feeling like I'm starting myself to feel like I'm in an unprecedented time in my, my personal life. Um, so again, like not knowing really what was going on, it took until college for me to through my mental health journey, um, which I'm sure we can talk about in a little bit, but I got diagnosed with ADHD at 20. And I found out that I just had developed these coping mechanisms all throughout my life. And it kind of concealed the ADHD to a lot of other people. Um, and it came out when I no longer could deal and use my coping mechanisms, nothing like against me. It was just like, life gets hard sometimes and you, you need help at times. So again, going back to like all those experiences, learning to ask for help, I think was the biggest thing. And I'm very fortunate. That is something I'm not afraid to ask for. And at first I think when I was younger, I would be embarrassed to ask for help. But then after seeing the outcomes I would get, it was almost like, why wouldn't I ask for help? Um, and it's also, I think, something to, you need to um, kind of do the self-reflection through times to realize that it's not a weak thing to ask for help. It's actually a very strong thing. You're saying, I don't know what to do in this moment. I'm owning it and taking action. Totally. I One, that's awesome that your school had the resources they did and that your nurse was able to properly, like, help you kind of on the spot realize what was going on um I have so many thoughts they're all just like you know what I mean they're all just like oh jumbled as I'm hey, like my brain sifting sifting through um I I think that like what you said and were able to identify around like I was someone that I didn't necessarily want to be and like independent and, you know, putting almost like thinking about other people before you think about yourselves. Like I really, really relate to that. And like 
it is probably the most challenging thing I face because I'm constantly thinking about how I'm perceived and how the person is feeling after a conversation with me almost to like the point where I'm like, oh my God, like I get off a call and I'm like, was I, was there a tone? Was there this? Was there that? Do we think they're going to be okay? If I think I cross the line, I'll be like, hey, like, thanks again for the time, you know, like, and yeah. And it's like, I'm laughing right now for the people listening. Like, this is so me. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people get it. And it took me, like, the reason I'm bringing this up is like, I've been able to get better at, at it, but it's still like, is like a little minion that lives in the back of my mind. And like, some days I'm able to be like, no, it's fine. Like, you're not here to like, think about everyone else before you think about yourself. Like, it's nice to put them in the picture and like, think about it. But it wasn't until I got to Duke that I realized that other people were not that way. Like I had instances in high school that I probably should have paid closer attention to, but it wasn't until I was at Duke and with academics, there were people in my classes who we were friends, but they would refuse to help on like assignments in the fear Mm -hmm. that me doing better would mean that they would do worse. Like it was a zero. That's my high school experience. Not, not the whole general place, just me personally. I don't want to like, again, like everyone has a different experience. It just happened to be who I was around at the time. But yes, that was exactly. And like when I was at Duke, it was so, because when I was in high school, I didn't really need, and I think part of it was like, I had the confidence in my grades and like sports that I didn't really like need to even like ask necessarily for help I don't really quite know what it is we can reflect on that another time this episode's about Mm -hmm. you but when I got to college it was so clear that like everyone else had kind of gotten through their lives with this thought of like in order for me to be the best everyone needs to like be the worst or needs to be less than me Mm -hmm. and like that that was like wild for me to finally like light bulb moment because I couldn't wrap my head around this whole like people like will put themselves before everything else even if it's like Mm -hmm. to the detriment of others or even if it like makes them like I had people who would lie to me about turning in assignments just to not help on like a question which looking back I'm like I should have never even been going to that person for like help but like then they would turn the paper in in class like the next day and like that, so that dealing with that in college was like a lot. I can't imagine being like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, like being like, oh wow, like I feel like I'm on an island. And like, mm-hmm. even though these people are friends or acquaintances, like I'm not gonna get, I don't know. It's no, like this, you couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure there's people who are listening who like fall into the category that we fall into where it's like we're constantly thinking about other people and the impact we're having which I think is a blessing and a curse like Mm -hmm. a curse in that it lives rent-free in our heads but like a blessing in that like I've always been told that like my character and like caring for other people is one of like the most special things about me but it comes at a detriment at times Mm -hmm. to my mental health which I'm sure you can like relate to definitely and even like for the people listening right now just like be so transparent like after we just had this conversation I'm thinking about oh my gosh did I just paint the picture that everyone at my high school is mean to me no that's not what happened it was just a few people who unfortunately I had to 
um, go separate ways with. And it ended up honestly probably benefiting both of our lives. And again, me thinking about, oh, am I talking about myself too much? Am I not saying the right thing at the right time? Oh, I'm forgetting all this stuff that I could have said. And maybe that would have helped someone instead. So like you couldn't have said it better yourself. And then just, it was mind blowing to me. And then I'm not a perfect person. And I don't want to come off on this at all, like that I think I'm a perfect person. But what you said was honestly like how I was feeling in those really young years of my life. And I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, why are people acting like this? And why is this normal? And it just, again, like took time to kind of figure that out. Yeah, and honestly, we'll like continue to be something that yeah. you probably <laughs> probably work through. Like, I don't think it ever really goes away. But like, I, yeah, I'm glad we just gave everyone kind of a little like inside scoop into our heads. We'll get back to Hannah momentarily. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to strengthen student-athlete mental health, Morgan's message is building a community by and for student-athletes through peer-to-peer conversations and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's message was founded in 2019 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved sister, daughter, and fiercely loyal friend. Our vision in Morgan's message is to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the high school and collegiate student-athlete communities, equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics, normalize conversations in safe spaces, encourage peer-to-peer communications, and empower those who suffer in silence and support those who feel alone. To find out more, to get involved, or to just follow along, you can head to morgansmessage.org or on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, let's get back to Hannah. It definitely, again, like, the recruiting process that whole point definitely also was no one would talk about where they were yeah I was gonna say let's get right into recruiting because like I I think of Long Island and I think of like the hotbed of lacrosse and I know the sport is growing but it's like Mm -hmm. Long Island New Jersey Maryland and then like you know they're sprinkled in between but I feel like a ton of my teammates well a ton of the the men on the boys team, a good amount of my teammates, but like a lot of people on other teams were all from LI and it's like such, it's like ingrained in the culture. I feel like, um, so I can only imagine what that means when it comes to recruiting and the intensity that is recruiting. Um, so let's get into it. What was your recruiting process like? Woo. Oh, my recruiting process was, a journey. I was the year, so I graduated high school in 2020. So we were the first year to have that rule change affect us. 
Um, so just kind of going back a Which, little bit in time. for everyone listening, the rule change was that you couldn't get contacted by a college coach until September 1st of your junior year. So like yes. no talking, whereas like previously you could be talked to and you could literally commit freshman year. Um, Eighth grade. It, it was lawless. Yeah. 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 It was crazy. Oh, I will never forget that walking by a tournament and be like, oh, that's the eighth grader who just got committed. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Um, but again, I'm really glad for that rule change. But um, starting in seventh and eighth grade, I was like worried about where I was going to college, which is kind of crazy. And again, I've like always had a pretty clear head on my shoulders of what I wanted to do. I've wanted to be in the medical field since I was in seventh grade, which it's totally fine. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, like that is not something that um, I don't want to say not affect you. Cause again, if it's going to affect you, like that's you, that's your person and that's totally fine, but it shouldn't be all consuming. Cause as my grandfather says, life is long, life's really long and it's going to take you through all these different roads. But anyway, I'm going to get on a whole tangent and I don't want to do that. Um, I was looking at colleges in seventh and eighth grade, which was nuts. I'm going to like recruiting seminars. And I was also on a club team. There was definitely like the top club teams to be on. Um, I also don't want to get into this too much just because it is what it is, but it's definitely like, there's a lot of um, talking in the background and there's a lot of behind the scenes that I honestly wasn't aware of until now that I'm a lot older. Um, But, and and then moving on to that um, in ninth grade, I took an ACT. That's crazy. I could not believe I did that. I literally walked in, didn't study, took the ACT, walked out of that and looked at my parents and was like, what was that? Um, Didn't know there was a science section on it. That was crazy to me. But you know what? I did that. Um, I was looking at the time at Ivy schools um, and then other D1 programs, but was definitely had my heart set on the Ivies. I don't know if it was just because it was such like a prestigious name and everyone was always like, oh my gosh, like blah, blah, blah. But I think that was kind of ingrained in my brain and I didn't allow myself to explore the other incredible academic universities out there. And like, I I was so close-minded and I'm so grateful again for this rule change because I just wasn't seeing everything else. And honestly, like the movies, like they highlight the Ivies. So again, I was very... Um, keen into looking at that so I then started to go to a ton of camps um, again spearheaded by myself because I became I was like I'm going to college for lacrosse so I told my parents that and they're like all right you're going you want to do this let's try it um, so I was going to a ton of camps I went to a couple prospect days in ninth grade and Oh, I'm also forgetting another thing but I had like a definitely like a top dream school at the time I had gone to a camp a small tournament there in seventh grade and like I fell in love with school I loved it it was beautiful it was that um Ivy feel and again like I was like oh I have to go here and I became again so set on this one place and even though everyone was telling me don't put all your eggs in one basket and I was like I don't care like I I really want to do this I'll be fine like if I don't get go here like I know everything happens for a reason which is another thing I will talk about at a different point because everything when people say everything happens for a reason that definitely is um, an interesting saying to me, but um, moving on. So I go to this prospect day again, going back in ninth grade for this school that I wanted to go to so badly. Um, and all communication gets cut off. So at that point, the rule has changed that Kat just talked about. 
there's no more communication, half my grades committed, half of it's not. And I started to feel like I had to justify why I wasn't committed yet. And I was because people are like, oh, you're not committed. I was like, oh, no, like the schools I was looking at, they tended to commit people in 10th grade. And I, I was in ninth and it just it couldn't happen. So I kind of felt like I was getting in that pattern of justification. And then I became very fixated. So I was like, I have to do this so I can play college lacrosse, which was a good thing and a bad thing, because I think one, I and I'm sure people listening have heard of this. Um but it was definitely instilled with me. Like I had my club coaches on my shoulder, my parents on the other with everything I did um, to the point where even now I'm like asking my friends like about silly things. And they're like, Hannah, don't worry about that. You're fine. But I was just so consumed of like, I can't do something bad, um, which is good in a sense. Cause I, I didn't do anything bad, but also a little debilitating because it definitely made me very anxious and probably tough to be around at times, which again, I'll fully own. Um, so kind of like 10th grade, I'm start studying for the SAT. I'm making sure like I'm, I'm crystal clear of everything. My academics, I put a crazy emphasis on my academics to the point where it was kind of unhealthy. I am lucky that stuff definitely did come pretty naturally to me. I did. I need to work very hard. Um, in some subjects, very, very hard to the point where like, I'm now in college. I'm like, all right, I got to close the book. I'm going to bed. Like that is what it is. It's got it. You're done. Um, so that was kind of all 10th grade. And then on September 1st of my junior year, school hadn't started yet. It's before Labor Day. I'm babysitting at my neighbor's house. I'm alone. I didn't really know what was going to happen either. Um, I'd been talking to my coaches. I like gave them my top five schools. Oh, this is also very important for me to say that summer. I'd been going to like a ton of camps. So I used to tell people too, I was like, bye, I'll see you in July. I was working basically from May to July. Every weekend I was going to camps and clinics. Again, very much spearheaded by myself um, with the support of my parents and family. Um, but I'd gone to a clinic at Camp-ish in the summer before my junior year. And it was supposed to be the camp that was just for this one school that I was very set on. And thank God the Hopkins coaches were at that camp. It was like a just like co- complete coincidence. And I saw them and she's not there anymore. But I mean, CT and her staff were just so awesome. And like, had just this energy that I was definitely gravitating towards. Um, so before I, September 1st, my club coach were asking me like for my top five. And I said, okay, I think like add Hopkins to that. I'm not sure, but like add them to it. So again, I'm babysitting September 1st of my junior year and all of a sudden midnight strikes and I'm getting texts out the wazoo, which is nuts to me because again, like I'm, I'm working on my confidence, but I was like, maybe I'm not that good at lacrosse or school's going to even like me. I haven't been able to talk to anyone. Like all these kids already took all these spots and I was fortunate. I got like some texts. So the next day I'm like on phone calls, um, kind of talking to everyone and making some plans. And I was really, really excited. And then going through that, I wasn't getting the text or the phone call from that one school that I wanted to go to so badly. And I texted my co- my club coach. And I'm like, hey, have you heard from them at all? And he was like, I don't know. It's not looking good. Like, I'm like, these people knew my names. They knew who I was. Like, I'd been going to everything um, and definitely were giving me some confidence. So I emailed them one final email of like every accolade of my life. Um, And he called me and he was like, yeah, they said, no, it's not happening. And again, I don't cry. 
I lost it. Like, went into my room on the floor, bawling my eyes out. And I was so upset. And I had to, like, kind of look at my parents. And after that whole experience, and they were like, it's going to be okay. But in that moment, I was like, I'm done for. I work for this, and that's it. Um, But again, I made a negative situation turn into a positive, even though it absolutely sucked into the moment. Like I was probably, that was probably one of the top 10 most like detrimental moments of my life. Um, but I had to move on. So I ended up going to school, um, all through junior year. I'm missing like classes and days going to these recruiting things and something happened in my, 11th grade year I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail at all about it but um I was happened to find out about what happened at a recruiting camp not recruiting camp but prospect day um and I was in a film session basically like with all the prospects watching it and my dad went up to the coaches and I was like oh my god why is my dad going up to the coaches right now this is crazy like dad what are you doing and they pulled me out and kind of told me what was going on. And again, like, I don't cry that much. I'm like a mess. Um, and they're like, how about you just like go home and like, we'll, we'll call you and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I'm standing in the parking lot with my dad. And he's like, how about we just like drive around first? And I was like, okay, this story will make sense in a second. But um, we're driving around and we like see like this random bakery and go in the bakery and there's like not much in there it's like no one's around kind of but like the place we were at was um more of a city but there was like no one really out at the time so I go into the bakery and I get this roll with butter on it and we pay for it and we leave and I stand outside and I take a bite into this roll and it's literally just air and it crumbles in my hands and I kind of just look at myself and I'm like this terrible thing just happened but I can't run away right now and just like not face life head on. So I called the coaches and I was like, I'm coming back. So we left that bakery and went back to the prospect day. And I ended up having a meeting with those coaches and I didn't end up going there, but it was like a definitely a very defining moment in my life. Cause I was dealing with something that was very difficult for someone my age, but I was able to kind of take the bull by the horns and still be able to persevere through that while also taking care of myself. Because after that happened, I like was with my dad and like I took care of myself and that would think was a very defining moment for me. Um, so moving on, I finally went to Hawkins. That was my last visit. I was missing homecoming. Um, I didn't know a ton about it just again, cause I was so close minded and I want to go into the medical field. So it's just like funny. Cause like yeah, everyone's like, Oh my funny. gosh, like, did you always, I'm like, honestly, like I was just close minded. So I went there and I just like fell in love with it. It was the campus was unbelievable the resources unbelievable the atmosphere it was just like I knew and um my coach at the time then she called it the warm and fuzzies I like had the warm and fuzzies and I was like I have to go here um so I left and I was like oh my gosh mom I have to go here but then this is the part that definitely like I was nervous I wasn't going to be able to go they were it was late so late again I don't want people I don't want to misconstrue like late is not don't ever worry about being late. It's always coming. Like, don't worry about your timeline. I know it's definitely tough seeing people get committed before you, but like, that's something that shouldn't make you make a rash decision. Like it will work. You will figure it out. It won't work out. You will figure it out. Um, so I was worried for a second. I was like, I don't know if they're going to take me. <laughs> um, but I just, again, was being myself and 
reaching out to them and she called me and like uh, it was immediate yes and like I again as a kid too you're not realizing that like there's a bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes like they need to figure stuff out on their end like they have a lot they're seeing other people it's not because of you and I think that was something I needed to realize in that moment but I was so so grateful to receive that phone call and that was honestly like a changing point in my life because had all this stuff happened to me in high school and that was like the light at the end of the tunnel I was like I'm going to a school I love and I'm going to play the sport I love and it was I'm leaving I'm sure a ton of stuff out but I, I through all of it I was able to get there so that, that's my long rambling spiel <laughs> yeah no yeah I think that like everyone's recruiting or even the journey to like figuring out if you want to play a collegiate sport and like yeah where you're gonna land is so different and I think it's like funny what you said like a lot of people have like schools in their minds that they want to go to and they put it on a pedestal pedestal and Mm -hmm. they're like this is the one like this is the one like guess what like you have to like the school without a sport you have to like like the like there's so many more things than just like a name or like visiting once like exactly it's it's such a transformational four years and it's like really the four years that kind of like set you up for the years to come and it's such a big decision like I personally am glad that the rule got changed because I think deciding where you're going to spend four of like some of the most important years at the age of like 13 like four years before you're even like at that point Mm-hmm. is like wild like you change I changed so much like week to week month to month year to year yep. like I feel like when you're really young it's like almost like a hundred times you change like each year so like figuring yeah. out like what you need and what you want it it's just important I think to like slow that timeline down but I, I also just realized I left a huge part out of it I don't want to cut you off but no yeah no. um the I also like being on Long Island like kids are getting ranked and you're getting ranked in all different things like top recruit top person in this class like and that was just something and again like who's on the best club team I I can't believe I left all this out like the culture is definitely like very very tough at times like and I wasn't someone on like the top I'm not I'm gonna leave out the name of the list but like I wasn't on like this one list that like the top top people were on I yes I was very fortunate to be on a couple other like small town lists but not this and I was nervous too because I'm like oh my gosh no one's gonna know who I am I have to have these like this stuff next to my name um and also going to like showcases where you have to try out and going to things where the teams are pretty much already picked out and i again was fortunate enough I was able to kind of break that barrier I had some people fight for me but I wasn't supposed to make one of the teams I made and I was able to again like make a negative into a positive and was able to have that opportunity just by like working really hard um but that environment was definitely very challenging just kind of like putting rankings on kids at such a young age and take yes the sports a competition but not in that aspect like stack ranking them against each other is like yeah Yeah, when a lot of things are, like, arbitrary. Like, I feel like a lot of that is, like, yes, you can look at ground balls and shots and shots on goal and, like, all the stats that are on paper, but, like, 
I mean, I coach club and like the most important thing that I always tell my girls is like, I don't really care about like your stats, but like, I care about like your grittiness and your hustle. And like, those are things that like, don't, they don't show up. And that's like hard for like young kids to understand. And like, I'm not saying that there was this, but I think I've witnessed in my time, a lot of like politics. And if you have the right coach in the mm-hmm. court, like it's in which is like inevitable, right? That happens, but it is a challenge for kids who are like working really hard and they're placing such a high importance of like where they're ranking on a like dumb list. Um, I hate hard. to call it dumb, but like, I mean, you know, people are sitting who aren't actually mm-hmm. on the field, but like they're sitting and they're considered like experts or whatever stack ranking. Yeah kids and that like we're not all going to be winners like not everyone's going to get a trophy in life that's not um that's not life honestly so I don't want to misconstrue that at all but it's definitely hard when like you're seeing even grown-ups get in that aspect of like getting very wrapped up in it and like not everyone's going to be a a winner that just like at the end of the day it's not it's just hard to deal with yeah I think it's I think it's like it's just hard it can be hard to deal with when it's like these ever-changing rankings and not necessarily like end of year awards because like yeah Mm -hmm. not everyone's gonna get that but like I think the day-to-day and like it can bring out like the best in some people and be like okay this is like what I'm working towards but also can bring out like the worst um and it's just hard when you're a high schooler (laughs) I mean it's hard anytime but it's like so challenging um Mm -hmm. we are getting close on time. So I want to ask one closing question because for the audience who's listening now, this is part one of two episodes. Um, so we're going to do one closing question instead of two. So we can save one, save two for next ep. Um, cause we have so much more to talk about with Hannah, but closing question number one. And the only question of this episode is if you could go back to yourself when you were struggling the most and just tell yourself one thing or like give yourself one piece of advice, knowing what you know today, what would that be? I think I would say it's not you it's not your fault. And just to give some context around that, I did a lot of self-blame and every situation I would kind of feel like I was at fault for everything happening. It's like, oh, the social thing that happened, like, was it my fault? Am I a problem? And like not getting into the school I wanted to get to, oh, is it my fault? I'm just not that good. and like just again a bunch of other things in my lifetime and knowing that yes I make mistakes and yes I'm a human being but so do other people and learning in those situations that a terrible thing that has happened or something that didn't go your way you either have two options you can well you don't just have two but you can run away from something not deal with it or try to figure out a way to make it work um and I think that was the biggest thing like just not getting so stuck in my head and saying it's my fault like it's never going to get better and instead just again like no being comfortable with myself and saying you're going to be okay I hope that made sense no it does (laughs) I love that um Hannah thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup I know that 
people listening can flip quickly to the next episode. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on for part one and sharing all about your experiences and kind of like your learnings. It's been amazing. Thank you. I mean, I'm just so fortunate to be here and anyone out there, I know there's two, but, um, if you ever need anything, like, please reach out. I've even reached out to people after listening to their episodes. Like, please, you're not alone. You're going to figure it out no matter what. And it's going to be okay. Another huge thank you to Hannah for coming on and having this amazing conversation with me. I truly just loved every single second of it and I hope you did too. I even kind of learned a little bit, you know, about myself through hearing Hannah's stories and the kind of parallels and non-parallels, but Ultimately, I'm so, so excited for part two where we kind of focus on Hannah and her injury. Um, If you want to get in touch with the mental matchup, if you're like, I have a story to share, I want to come on or I want to share on your stories platform, please reach out to submission at morgansmessage.org or you can head to morgansmessage.org, click on the mental matchup, find out more there. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's message, if you want to find out more, get involved please head to morgansmessage.org or you can follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn at Morgan's Message. Another huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. We would not be here without them. And we are so proud of what this podcast has already done and what we are going to do in season six. With that, I will see you next episode.